You're listening to the Social Spectrum Podcast with Gina Galliotto. Here we prove that success on social media and in entrepreneurship is not one size fits all and discuss thriving online through the lens of different personality types, lifestyles, and neurodiversity. Success lives on a spectrum, so your impossible search for the one right way to grow your online business ends here. On the Social Spectrum Podcast, we'll unfold your right way instead. Let's dive in. So I have now created two separate online courses, and I had two vastly different experiences in the process. The first course I created was my 30-day 10K TikTok challenge, and the second is my UGC A to Z course. And guys, (laughs) creating the 30-day 10K TikTok challenge was seriously almost the death of me. It was my first time creating a course, and I think I just got really tunnel visioned about the context of the material. So like scripting everything out and making sure that was super quality. And so I kind of forgot about like the technology and the actual creation side and putting that value and material into something tangible. I forgot about that whole process. And so it probably took me like 150 to 200 hours to create that damn course. And it cost me many mental breakdowns, probably years off my life. It was very difficult. And like, I love the way it turned out, but I have learned that it can be a lot easier and the process can be a lot more enjoyable. And so my second course, UGC A to Z, probably took me more like 50 hours and it has pretty much the same amount of course material. In fact, I think there are even more lessons in UGC A to Z than the 30 day 10K TikTok challenge. And it still took me like a third or a quarter of the time. And literally like at every single turn while I was creating UGC A to Z, I kept finding myself thinking like, oh my gosh, that was so much easier than I thought it would be, which is obviously a 10-10 chef's kiss scenario, like especially compared to my first experience with the 30-day 10K TikTok challenge. Like I just was very impressed with this process. And so I do feel like you guys need to hear about it. And so that being said, in this episode, I'm going to share with you the process and the tools that I used to create UGC A to Z. And that way you just have as smooth of a process as possible if you are a beginner or new to creating courses. And kind of on this topic, I do want to give a disclaimer. I've created two courses. Okay. So I'm not saying that this is like the 100% easiest, most optimized, streamlined way to create a course in the entire world. This is just what worked well for me with the tools that I've become familiar with and comfortable with. So yeah, just that little disclaimer, keep that in mind. You may be able to find resources that fit your lifestyle better or that are just easier out there. So definitely do some research. I'm one of those people who doesn't really like change. So I really wanted to work with things that I already used on a consistent basis. So that's that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. So the very first thing that I used is Notion. And I used Notion to outline and script the actual material that was going to be in the course. So the context. So what I did is I used the toggle feature, the toggle line on Notion, the kind that looks like a little triangle where if you click it, it like expands, but then you can also close it and collapse it, right? So for the title whenever the toggle was collapsed, that is where I put the module title. And whenever you expanded it, 
that is where I would list out the actual lessons that would be within that module. And then I would also make the lessons and its own expandable toggle. And that is where I would put any like bonuses, action steps, homework, things like that to either like either brainstormed or like officially what I was going to have. And I did this process multiple times. I would do my first outline and then I was like, I'm not happy with this. I want to redo it. I would start over or I would add things in between. You know, obviously it wasn't like I sat down and made this perfect in one sitting, but it was really organized in Notion so that changes that I did want to make, I could find the lesson easily and the module easily and do it that way. I think whenever I created the 30-day challenge, I did a lot of it in like Google Docs and had like a billion different Google Docs for each lesson. Like it was just a disaster. So I definitely recommend having kind of more of a dashboard feel no matter what you use rather than just like random scraps of like ideas and lessons and things like that, which I feel like now in hindsight, I shouldn't even have to say like I should have known that with my first course. But you'd be surprised like when you get inspired and you have ideas and you just want to like get it down, you kind of like forget then to organize everything in the back end. So just create yourself a little dashboard from the start. So that way, whenever you have your ideas, you know exactly where to put them in your little organized outline dashboard in Notion or whatever resource that you want to use. And something that I did after doing all of that, like whenever I was reasonably comfortable with my outline, so not even getting into scripting the actual lessons, when I was comfortable with my outline and like I felt pretty good with it, I actually double checked my work using ChatGPT. So I would put my outline in there and I was like, I gave it a very good descriptor of my typical student, like who I wanted my dream student to be and what transformation I wanted to help them accomplish. I told ChatGPT all of that. And then I would ask it, like, considering what you know about my dream student, is there anything like missing from my outline that could help this student get from point A to B? And so that really helped me kind of like refine the order that I had my lessons in because ChatGPT was like, first it told me something constructive. It was like, you're doing a great job. And then it told me like, however, I would switch the order of these lessons to make it more clear. And then it also did, I think it's it's what gave me the idea or like reminded me to add a legalities module, like my UGC course. It reminded me like, oh yeah, duh, I need to teach them how to like actually become a legal business and all of that, where I was, a lot of my course is focused on like, you know, getting the brand deals and all of that. And so it reminded me to do that. So I think that's a really, really excellent way to use ChatGPT for digital products. I don't necessarily think you should be like, hi, make my entire digital product for me, please. But I think it's such a good way to just make sure that you're not like going so fast that you're forgetting things or that you're not kind of like thinking in a tunnel vision way about your own story and what you needed and that you really are taking a step back and thinking about other things too that are going to be useful for the student along the way. And something else I used ChatGPT for is to help me create like bonuses and scripts, templates, bonuses, those types of things for my course. And so again, I would go into a lot of depth about my target audience. And then I would paste an outline of the lesson just as an example that I wanted an accompanying bonus for. And then I would be like, what do you think would be good supporting materials for this? And then I would just ask it like various questions again, to just inspire me 
to create the best resource possible, essentially. Like I would already have foundational ideas and then I would ask it questions about my ideas to make them even better. So I'm a big AI fan. (laughs) Again, I don't think you should have it write everything from scratch, but it's great for checking, you know, double checking things and getting inspiration. That being said, once I did outline and script my actual lessons and got some ideas for my bonuses, that is whenever I moved into Canva to actually turn my scripts and my outlines into Canva presentations. So for me, like my scripts, I didn't script every single lesson out perfectly. Some lessons I scripted out much more than others because I knew some of them I just have talked about so much I wouldn't even need to script it. Like I did it based on me and what would work best for me. So if you feel like just an outline is good and you can talk off the cuff for every lesson, that's totally fine. So I just wanted to give that disclaimer before we move on to the next part. Okay. So now we're in Canva and I'm looking, I have my scripts and things over in Notion and then I have Canva pulled up on the other side and I'm kind of like split screen. And so I'm just using my notes from Notion to create presentations that my students will actually look at while they're hearing me say my script so that they can have a visual. So I fully recommend creating presentations and not just filming your face and like you saying all of this for multiple reasons. And we will talk about that a little bit too when we talk about recording. So keep that in mind. So I created visual presentations in Canva. And what I did is I made two templates from the very start, like before I even started adding any context into them. I made templates that I knew I could just duplicate over and over and over again as I'm going through and adding the lessons and the context. And so with the challenge, I think I ended up falling into kind of a more templatized presentation as I was creating. But at the start, I was just kind of like free forming them. And so I do have some inconsistency, I think, with the like branding a little bit. And I am updating that soon, which I'm really excited about. But I was trying to get too fancy. I was trying to make every single slide or every single lesson presentation unique from the other one. I was trying to get really creative with it when in reality, the more simple you can make it for your students to learn, the better anyway. And also it's going to make your life so much easier to have simple slides that you can just duplicate again and again. Now, this one I wish I thought of for the first course too, but for UGC A to Z, I actually had the thought to leave a space to add closed captions later. So for the 30-day challenge, I had some struggles placing the closed captions. I had to like cut it in different spots and move the closed captions around so that it didn't block certain things that I had made on the presentation. And so this time I was like, okay, I'm going to leave. I I added like a rectangle element from Canva at the bottom. And that way I knew that's where I was going to stick the closed captions. And so everything else would be around it. And that way there was nothing blocking anything from view. And that made it look a lot nicer at the end. And it also took so much work off of my shoulders because again, I didn't have to watch the videos, see where things were being blocked, move the closed captions around, all of that. So made my life a lot easier there. So, okay. Now I have the presentations made in Canva. Oh, actually, before I move on. So in Canva, I actually created a folder too, like, and I titled it UGC A to Z so that I could put all of the lessons there instead of them getting jumbled up with my my one-on-one session presentations and my Instagram posts and all of that. And that made life a lot easier too. 
Now moving on to actually recording. So I have the presentations made and in order to record my voice actually saying the scripts along with the presentation, I used Loom for the most part, L-O-O-M. And then I also used Canva Present, which I believe is a fairly new feature. Mine says beta on it. So I'm not sure if everybody has it, but if you do, it will be under like just if you're going to present as usual, it'll say present and record. And that similarly to Loom allows you to record your voice while you scroll through the presentation with your mouse. And you can also actually record your face too. So it'll give you an option to record your face and your voice. And if you do both, it'll show you in the corner in a little circle and the presentation will be the rest. Or if you choose voice, then it'll just be the presentation and your voice. Now, the reason, going back to what I was talking about earlier, the reason I don't suggest having your face recorded in most of your lessons is because if you want to go back and update your course later, like say you you think of something you want to add in the middle, smack dab in the middle of a lesson, it's going to be really hard to emulate the same environment you were filming in, the same lighting, the same outfit, same makeup, all of that stuff. And like that might not be something that even bothers you to have that switch around. But just to make it more seamless, I realized it's better to do voice only so that if I just need to quickly add slides in there to update the course, then I can. I I really want my resources to be continually updated because social media is such a fast-paced environment. And I realized the more friction I have in updating my course, meaning if I do need to film my face, the less often I'm going to do it. Like that was just me being realistic. And so that is why I think it's important to kind of, you know, think ahead and decide, is this a resource I'll be updating? And if so, maybe I should only film my face for like the intro video and the outro video. I mean, you should have it in there at some point because you do want that personalization, you know, like you want them to be able to see your face at some point. But beyond that, for updates purposes, I think your audience will or your students will more appreciate you being able to update seamlessly rather than like being able to see your face for every single lesson. So keep that in mind. So what I did differently here, like Loom and Canva was so much easier than what I did for the 30 day 10K TikTok challenge. For the challenge, the way that I recorded my lessons is I downloaded each slide of each presentation as a PNG. I would go into Splice, which is just like a video editing app on your phone that you would edit like a TikTok on. And then I would, using the like voiceover effect, I would record the voiceover. I would then remove all the blank like pauses and spaces and stuff and breaths and mistakes. Then I would have to adjust the length of each slide duration um, of the presentation to match up with the part of my audio where I'm talking about each of it. Like, oh my God, it was a disaster. It was crazy. And I can't believe that I did that. But it's just like, those were the tools I knew at the time. I didn't know about Loom. And if I, if I did, I mean, my life would have been so much easier. So again, the difference is that Loom allows you to actually speak while clicking through the presentation so that you don't have to do all of that lining up on the back end. And so one reason why I talked about Canva Present in addition to Loom is because I found myself wanting to record some of these lessons in my car. And Loom works fine on your phone. Like Loom Mobile is fine. But I found that in my car, it just 
it was a risk whether it was actually going to save or not because of service purposes. Whereas if I used Canva record and present or present and record on my phone, then it, it was more seamless. So they look very similarly. Like if you're looking at my course from the inside, there's not much of a difference of the way they look. But one pro about Canva present versus Loom is that if you embed a video within your presentation, like for example, in my UGC A to Z course, if I wanted to show a UGC example or a screen recording of me editing a video or anything like that within my presentation, the viewer actually has the ability to like stop and pause the video within the slide without pausing you, if that makes sense. Hopefully you can visualize that, but it, just imagine in my course, like I have a little cell phone template on the slide that has a video within it, and then there's a play button on it, right? So this person can like fast forward, rewind the video while I'm still talking, like and presenting the rest of the presentation. I hope that makes sense. So that is one benefit of Canva Present versus Loom. Now, the next thing I did is I did still have to edit some of the audio. So like any mistakes I made, any long pauses, anything like that, I still had to go back and edit out. So for that, I actually did still use Splice. I went back into Splice. But this time, my life was so much easier because again, I didn't have to align the audio with the visual. And then also, it occurred to me (laughs) to listen to the lessons on 1.7 speed in Splice while I was editing because like I could still hear the pauses and the mess ups on that speed and then I would just edit them out at that speed and then I would just turn them back to normal speed before saving them. And this way, I saved so much time in editing. Whereas with the 30-day challenge, I was literally just like listening to the entire lessons again on normal speed and editing it and that just took so much longer. So I definitely recommend that And then whenever I would save them from Splice onto my phone, I would bring it then into Google Drive. So Google Drive is awesome because it works seamlessly on your phone and your computer. Like the instant you add something into the mobile app, it's on your computer too in Google Drive. So I would then save that version of it to my Google Drive. And I had various folders in my Google Drive. So one of the folders I had in there was raw lessons. And I titled it this because it didn't have the closed captions on it yet. So it wasn't the finalized version. So that is where I would upload that video. And then it was on my computer, right? So now I open up my computer and I would now need to add the closed captions. So I use happyscribe.com. I love this freaking website. First of all, it's really, really fast. It's cheap. Like it doesn't make you pay a monthly subscription. It's per credits. So you buy X amount of credits for X amount of minutes of transcription that you need. And it does multiple things. Like it can add closed captions to your videos. And then it can also transcribe videos into text. It does one other thing. I can't remember what it is. I haven't used that feature yet. And then it also makes it so easy to edit the closed captions and the transcription. Like they, it has a, um, find and replace feature, right? So like for me in my UGC course, I noticed every time I said UGC, it changed it to like UDC or something like that. And so instead of having to individually find each of those and change it, I could just use the find and replace feature and it would replace all of them at one time. Whereas with the 30-day challenge for closed captions, I again used Splice 
And so I would have to individually read through the closed captions, similarly to how you would edit closed captions on TikTok and manually edit it that way. Whereas on Happy Scribe, again, it was automatic. It was so easy. It would even show in red like the words that it suspects that it may have gotten wrong. Ugh, chef's kiss. I absolutely love Happy Scribe. And this also made it really easy for me to have summaries of each lesson too if I wanted to transcribe it into text. So yeah, it's just awesome. I love it. Now, after this, I would hop back into Google Drive because in Happy Scribe, again, I was adding the closed captions and then I would put them into my little box that I had created in Canva. So I'd move the captions right there so they lined up. And then I would save that video into a separate Google Drive titled Final Lessons. And since we're on the topic of Google Drive here, I had a um, Google Drive kind of dashboard slash folder that I titled UGC A to Z. I had the folders within it that were titled Raw Lessons, Final Lessons, which we've talked about. But then I also had folders in there called Assets and Copy. And that's where I put like visual images or downloads. And then I put like any copywriting things that I needed in the copy section or like my scripts or transcriptions, anything like that. So Google Drive was so, so beneficial in organizing everything. I cannot even explain it. I am like their new biggest fan. And it's also actually how I share things with my students. So like all of my bonuses, I shared those into Google Docs that I then just shared that Google Doc link of that folder with my students. So that makes it really, really easy. One thing I will mention here, again, since we're on the topic of Google Drive, is I learned from my 30-day challenge that simplicity is so much better than getting super fancy. So for my 30-day challenge, my bonuses and homeworks were pretty. I made them like very pretty in Canva. And that took me a ton of time, first of all. But also my students, they weren't as interactive, right? My students were like, these are such beneficial homeworks, but I wish I could more easily write on it. Like they could have brought it into a PDF editor or into a digital planner or things like that to draw on it with a stylus or to type on it in a PDF editor. But what's so much easier is just sharing a plain, simple Google Doc where the homework is there. They can actually interact with it. They can type their answers so easily into it. You can do check boxes, all of those things. And I found that not only did it save me so much time and sanity, it just it makes my students' lives a lot easier. So I highly suggest using Google Drive for that as well. And so once I had everything in there, I had everything in my Google Drive, including the final lessons, that is whenever I went back into Canva and I made all of the thumbnails and things that I would need to actually upload my course onto like my host site, which we'll talk about in a minute. But for the thumbnails, this is, you can either do it from scratch, but there's also a lot of thumbnail templates on Canva. So you can type like online course thumbnail into the search engine on there and it will show you some options. So I created a few of those. And then finally, I was ready to actually upload everything. So I hopped into my stand store and you, I mean, you've probably heard me talk about Stan Store a million times, but you can do absolutely everything on Stan. I love my Stan Store. And so that is where I host my course. And it they make it very easy to organize modules and then lessons within that modules. They make it extremely easy to upload the videos and to add any extra accompanying resources. And then you can directly sell it 
from your stand store as well. You can throw that link in bio to the store right onto your social media profiles so that you can then direct people to your course. And that is the process of how I created UGC A to Z. It really was like, again, whenever I think about it, I'm just baffled at how much easier it was than creating the 30-day 10K TikTok challenge. And I really hope that this saves you a ton of time and saves you from ripping your hair out. So that being said, go out there and create your course because I know you have some genius idea that you've been sitting on, but have just been too overwhelmed to actually go into action. Now you have these steps that you can follow to make it less intimidating and to actually put your plan into action. So good luck and let me know on Instagram or TikTok if you have any questions about this. If you liked this episode, it would make my day to hear about it. Please don't hesitate to share your thoughts on Instagram and tag me at Gina Galliotto or shoot me a DM letting me know so I can continue sharing episodes you love. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe to the Social Spectrum podcast and leave a five-star review so we can stay in each other's worlds. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Until next time, friend.